Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Inside Out. Something I recently shared on social media was when you start vibrating higher, you start attracting everything that's good for your spirit and the toxic energy no longer matches your vibrational frequency. I wrote, I refuse to apologize for outgrowing the relationships I needed to to make room for the ones I have now. And I wrote this because I have had experiences where friendships have expired because I feel I outgrew that environment or person. And I truly believe that you shouldn't apologize for that growth. As humans, it is inevitable to evolve. However, some of these relationships upon reflection now I can see were toxic. I wish I had have had the tools to identify this at the time. And this is a conversation that I've shared with so many friends and family members recently because we've all had our own experiences with toxicity in relationships. And a term being quite um, thrown around quite often is narcissist. It could be anyone, maybe your partner, your friend, your coach or your neighbour. We are throwing this terminology around, but do we understand it? I wonder, if we were able to identify said toxic or narcissistic traits upon the early stages of building foundations of said relationships, would we continue bonding? Could we remove ourselves from this environment or do we ignore them? Do we already see them? And do we keep diving in? So today joining me is someone who I have personally worked through some heavier moments with in my life. She is a professional in the field of understanding and navigating human behaviours. And we are going to discuss toxicity in relationships, how we recognise them and navigate them. Joining me today is Margot Braug. Thank you so much for being here today, Margot. Hi, Carissa. Thanks so much for asking me to do this and uh, it being number 13, <laughs> which is a lucky number to me. So that's that's oh, great. That's I nice. really enjoy being here today. Before we dive into today's episode, Margot, can you share a little on your background and your work? Yep. So I'm originally from Holland. I came here 28 years ago. Um, I did my first three years of primary school here as well and uh, lived in Indonesia as well. And so I came back here on my own 28 years ago, um, got married to an Australian Dutch person. And um, yeah, so I've been here for a long time and and I lived in Victoria to start with, then came to Newcastle about 11 years ago and actually became a citizen here because for the first time in my life here in Newcastle, I felt truly at home. Mm. And so since I've come to Newcastle, I have restarted my counselling practice, uh, which we're going to talk about uh, today. And I'm also an an artist. I have a a studio at the Creator Incubator in Hamilton North. Um, I have two adult children, 19 and 23, of which one is actually living in Holland close to where I grew up. So, um, yeah, so what I do for work, for, for me, work is part of my creative expression because I believe all human beings essentially are creative and um, being creative means um, living according to your emerging self rather than your shaped self or however you might have been shaped as a, as a child. 
So I try to live my life as authentically and creatively as possible and that works through my um, through the work I do in my studio but it also comes out in how I choose to work with people as a counsellor, as a holistic counsellor and as a body-oriented psychotherapist. What an incredible journey you've had, Margot, and you would have had so many experiences to share from your time overseas. I really, really love that you've settled down in Newcastle because Newcastle is home. I grew up here. I absolutely love this city. So I'm so happy that that's where you have ended up and obviously our paths have crossed. Um, I also really love that you've found your work that aligns so perfectly with your spirituality because, you know, that brings so much more passion to what you do. Living in alignment and intention is something I really encourage people to cultivate in their lives. So what you do really aligns with this podcast series. So jumping right into it, from what I think, Margot, and I feel from my experiences is I believe narcissism is a person who is egotistical, manipulative, craves validation, but deep down is extremely insecure. But I could be wrong. I could be off. Can you share what is what makes someone a narcissist? Okay, so narcissist, as you said before, it's a term that gets used a lot at the moment to describe a certain experience we're having with a person Mm. who we find it difficult to relate to. And that might be because we feel they are being selfish, uh, we might feel that they're being inconsiderate of us or that maybe they don't have the capacity to empathise with us or they might be being selfish. So it's... When we use that term, it actually covers a range of experiences that we're trying to understand that we have in relationship to other people. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so let's look at that range of experiences and behaviours that fall under that term, narcissist. What are we looking for? Um, I I think people, you know, they go online and look up the word narcissist because that is what gets used and I think it is so if we look at what do we think a narcissist what is the behavior that that goes with that and I think that is that maybe that selfishness that inability to put oneself in someone else's shoes or the unwillingness to put ourselves in in the shoes of others which make makes it really hard to be in relationship with that person I don't use terms like that in in my work um, I prefer to name not to name things like that and just purely look at behavior but I do know from the study that I've done that um, if you look at real narcissism or what they would call narcissism in psychology or uh, in, in, um, in, in a child development it's that moment where around three years old when a child makes the very important step from being the centre of their own universe to stepping towards realising that they are one of many. Mm. And so if people don't make that development prop or have a proper development in that way, they continue to see themselves as a centre of their universe. And um, so normally we would learn maybe to share or we learn that, no, it's not your turn right now, or all those things, and uh, learn to empathise with other people. But when, when we don't make that change, we grow up thinking that it's all about us, and then when it's not all about us, that actually makes us feel very insecure, 
and it makes us maybe feel that we need to defend our spot. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... Passed on. It's passed on and it's the way someone is shaped then. And so even though if we're in relationship with someone who we feel has those kinds of traits, narcissistic traits, it, it, it sometimes feels easier to, to say, you know, that, that they're doing something wrong. Mm. But I think if you want to actually move into changing your relationship with that person, whether you stay or whether you go, it's about looking more deeply than just looking at the behaviours but also at the reason why that person might be that way. Mm. And just on this, I think looking closely at toxic relationships, something to recognise is how much energy are we putting into this person? Do we leave them feeling depleted or do we leave them feeling ourselves invalidated? And I suppose the more damaging ones, I feel, are the ones that have us questioning ourselves. Mm-hmm. An example of this I read somewhere online was a toxic person or a narcissist, using that term, will argue with you and tell you that the grass is blue until you believe it or until you're standing there going, oh, maybe it, maybe it is blue from their angle, from what they can see. Yep. And you walk away thinking, but no, grass is green. Yep. Um, and I think that's, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Mm. Well, it can be crazy making, especially if we focus so much on that person and our relationship with them that we actually, in that process, lose ourselves, you know, lose the relationship to ourselves. And I suppose as a, the work that I do as a therapist with people is usually helping them to build that relationship to themselves so that, that they, first of all, um, sometimes when we do that, when we start building that relationship to ourselves and I think that's what you were talking about mm. in your introduction as well you find that either you change the dynamic in the relationship which allows the other person to change that mm. sometimes happens or when we ch- when we strengthen that relationship within ourselves um, we come to realize that maybe the relationship isn't right for mm. us but all of these decisions become clearer when we actually build a relationship to ourselves and so we don't no longer attract that dynamic because sometimes and this happens in relationships as well and in the couple counseling that I do is that people bring their own dynamics from their own shaping as children into their relationships and when they are not conscious it's usually that it affects those relationships Mm. so when we learn to look at our own behaviour and our own shaping, sometimes we can change what we attract or we can change the dynamic in, in existing relationships. Mm. Something you touched on just before was, you know, how do we walk away from these relationships? What about for the people that are in a relationship, a partnership with someone who they believe does show traits of narcissism and they don't want to walk away from that? How, how do we work and navigate our way through that and by you know, relationships, that's just not a partnership. I'm talking about friendships as well and, yep. and people in our lives that do heavily influence us. Yeah. I think the first step in my mind or in my experience is that the first step to be concerned about is to start the relationship with yourself because you might find, and this is not true for everyone, but I notice that in my own experience especially and, and with some clients – that if I am in a relationship with someone who is showing narcissistic traits, I look at myself and go, how do 
I relate to myself in that same way. So if the person that I'm relating to, for instance, is being very inconsiderate of my feelings or is not open to my reality and my thoughts or perspective, how do I do that within myself as well? Mm. How am I not considerate of my own feelings? How much room do I give to my own thoughts and my own way of seeing the world? Yeah, that's interesting. I um I know that from my experience working with you, you will remember that there was a time in my life where I was handed a, a card and it wasn't the one that I asked for. Um, but I was dealing with a quite a difficult individual who um seemed to carry some of these traits. And when I thought I was doing at times I felt that I was doing a good thing, they would often become defensive or there would be um, conflict or confrontations that I thought was just so far from where we were at. I would love to understand a little bit more what makes these behavioural traits that people carry with them, these individuals, what makes them tick? I think what what makes them tick that comes back again to that question of how someone is shaped. Mm. And I think in the end, because I had to think about this um, when you sent me your email and about this question, and I think in the end everybody has n- the need to feel secure and everybody has the need to feel loved and we all have um, shaped beliefs according to our experience of how do we feel secure, um, how do we uh, make a love connection and a lot of us um, have not developed it properly and so we try to um, gain love and gain security in dysfunctional ways. And sometimes, um, for instance, if we come from a big family where we always had to share everything and um, or we didn't get enough attention or something like that, then feeling secure and feeling loved always seems to be uh, at, odd, at odds with other people. So if someone else is getting something, that means that I'm not getting anything, mm-hmm. for instance. And so, so to feel secure... I have to compete with others. Mm. So, for instance, that can be a shaping. So that in your experience, in your life, whenever you, tr- you try to achieve something, security or love or success in your work, it always feels like you're doing that and having to be at odds with other people, like you're always competing. Mm. And I think it's important that we remind ourselves when we're handed these moments is that what is the story we are telling ourselves mm. Because we're making it up in our own head. We don't know what that other person's thinking. We no. don't know what they've been through. That We don't know how their day is. And yep. we're convincing ourselves of this story. And it's, you know, we really have to take a step back and identify that as humans, I think, to resolve these moments in our mm. lives that maybe may seem quite difficult. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, you're spot on there. I think it really comes back to your own experience. And even though we're having these experiences with these people, we can't forget that the only experience that we really know is our own. Mm. And to get more and more familiar with our own experience and validate our own experience is a a way towards grounding and feeling more confident within ourselves Mm -hmm. and feel like we're living our own lives. In my own journey of self-development and growth, I also recognise that my behaviours may in the past have been perceived as 
narcissistic or toxic how can we identify these traits in ourselves and what can we do to work through these parts of ourselves and make sure that these toxic traits aren't surfacing Mm. this is so difficult you know because um well it's not difficult it just takes willingness and it it, it's difficult because it's painful to look at those shadow parts of ourselves because sometimes to feel like we're okay people um we only want to know about what we're doing right and how we're good and and how other people aren't. Mm. And I think a real path towards self-empowerment is to also look at our shadow, at where we might be bullies, even in the smallest ways, mm. you know, towards someone in the shop or something like that. Um, someone, you know, uh, who, who we can sort of think, you know, they're just a person in general. And so it's about looking at our own behaviour and not in a way of criticising but just to become gently aware of, yes, I notice in myself that I do this with other people and that's an acceptance of yourself as not being perfect as well. Mm. And we've often been taught to be perfect in order to get approval, to get love, is you have to be perfect, you have to be a good girl, you have to be a good boy and to be let go of that, to let go of being a good child in the eyes of a parent is to become an adult where you become self-responsible, self-empowered and grounded. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I want to digress a little bit into parenting um, with you because I definitely feel like these behavioural traits, you know, as you touched on earlier, it's passed on sometimes. Um, how can we? How could we right now be displaying these behaviours to our children and not know? In what ways would you would you say that we're doing that already? I think a, a lot of it just has to do with awareness um, that, um, you know, sometimes as a parent you get angry mm. and that happens as well. I think the main thing there is, for instance, being able to apologise, to recognise your own behaviour and apologise, um, even to your children. I think that's that's always really good mirroring. Mm. <laughs> um, I think where it comes to children, um, to notice in our children when they are having difficulty learning to share, when they're having difficulty learning to wait their turn, these are all really valuable lessons that as parents we can guide our children towards learning about them without criticism. We don't need to teach children through criticism, but we can teach them through talking to them and naming behaviours from an early age. You know, what you just did then is not okay behaviour. So how else could you have done that? Because I also really have a really, well, a deep faith in that children from a very early age have their own wisdom and morality that we can really tune into much more and talk to them about what's right and what's wrong and uh, can you share and if you don't want to share how come and because sometimes not sharing is okay too Mm. but it needs to be I think spoken about. Mm. Something I recently um, saw on social media is a mother who said that she has a six-year-old little girl and she really um, practices that you with her daughter that you are in control of your body and your emotions and something that I practice with my stepdaughters is you are in control of your emotions. I've been 
quite on top of that in over the recent couple of years and um only now just more digressing with them into the you know you are in control of your body because of what does go on unfortunately sadly in in the society today and she wrote on social media to say I have been in a lot of uncomfortable situations of late because I have taught my daughter that she is in control of her body so when an adult or a stranger whether they're family or not family when they ask for a cuddle at Christmas or at birthday parties and she says no thank you they look to me to tell her to do it and and force that on her and I just say no she's not comfortable and she said that it's been hard for me because these family members are like whoa yeah you make your little girl hug and and I just thought it was absolutely incredible and more families and mothers and fathers everybody needs to read this and be aware of that because we don't know notice the damage that we're doing to ourselves and our babies when we tell them no an adult said that you have to do this so you do it yeah yeah and so that's how you learn to um, become more aware of being a good girl or a good boy rather than what feels right in my body yes absolutely and I just feel like the the world just needs to change in that perspective Mm. for sure yeah um Margot how do we how do we teach and really practice with our children not to cultivate this negative behavioural traits as they go through teenage years and things like that. What are some tips that you can share? I think as a, as a parent, I think one of the main things is to do it within yourself so that the relationship within yourself uh, reflects good inner parenting. Yes. Um, I think, you know, people talk about self-love and, I mean, self-love is just very important. I think when when... When children grow up, they grow up in the psychic space of their parents. So in that psychic space of the parents is whatever the parents are aware of and what they're not aware of. Any anxiety they might have, any unresolved issues is hanging around in that psychic space and that's what the child grows up in. And that's often the shaping that you get, that you take with you Mm. into your adulthood if you're not aware of that, then you just keep repeating family emotional patterns, um, you know, and that's why people come to me because things happen in their lives that feel they have no control over. So one of the things that happens in therapy and um, is helping people to recreate their own psychic space. So you can see it as, a, as an envelopment of, um, of an atmosphere that you live in but that you consciously create that atmosphere according to what you need. So if you have had very harsh parenting, then 10 to 1 is that the voice in your head that is still parenting you is is also still being very harsh Mm. and that you experience the world as harsh and that you experience relationships as harsh and that you're always responding to that and you'll notice that in your body. So one of the things that you can do within yourself is to build a relationship with yourself knowing that you are changing the atmosphere that you actually live in. Mm. And that can be, you know, next time you speak to yourself on the inside that you do so with the same voice that you talk to your child. Mm. Um, That the next time you make what you feel is a silly mistake in a social situation, that you speak to yourself about that in the way that you would speak to your child. 
rather than going, oh, God, you idiot. That's (laughs) so interesting because my eldest stepdaughter, um, I think I've actually mentioned before in another episode with someone else, but she was calling herself um, an idiot every time she'd make a mistake and I'd heard it enough times and I said to her, please stop calling yourself that that's you're not an idiot you've made a mistake just say I made a mistake and then I was saying it and she'd call me out on it and she'd say (laughs) but you're not an idiot Chrissy you're not an idiot and I was like no you're right I'm not I made a mistake and that's okay yeah it's super interesting Uh, what I'd like to say about that and this also comes back to the work I do as a body-oriented psychotherapist is that um, when we call ourselves an idiot what happens in our body is that we contract. We become small, we become sad and um, we might, it might affect our breath, uh, it might affect how we hold our body. We become smaller and we have less. When we contract, that happens in our muscles and it happens in our breath and then our experience of life becomes smaller and more contracted. And that's often also, you know, where when life contracts and when our spirit contracts, that's when we might get depressed and anxious. If you think of a child who is, you know, our young children and how they express themselves, they are just constantly emerging and there's, there's all this energy coming off it and they're like opening flowers. Mm. And just because we stop growing as adults doesn't mean that we don't stop emerging mm. as people. And so when we call ourselves idiots, we stop that emerging. And when we stop our emerging... And our, and our growth, um, we start getting depressed uh, or we start feeling trapped in life or un- unhappy. So um, from a body-oriented perspective, it's about learning to relax mm. really and noticing that when we are in a relationship with someone who might be impacting on us that we start feeling contracted or that when we call it, ourselves something on the inside that we might be contracting mm. so part of the thing also in creating that psychic space of acceptance and love is that you'll find when you do that that you automatically that your body automatically relaxes and emerges again it's mm, incredible isn't it i think um that even now i feel a shift in my body i really notice how i feel in my body in certain circumstances um and moments where i just go how does that feel what can i notice right now and and just sitting in my self and sitting and listening to my body and my frequency and what is it telling me and what do i feel in this moment has really allowed me to grow um and i really thank you for that Margot, I've got one final question for you today and I ask this question because I feel that it is something that a lot of listeners and even myself I feel inspired by, I feel motivated by, um, everybody's got a different answer so it's always something new to hear uh, and that is what is something that you do for you that takes care of you each day from the inside out? I think something that has become non-negotiable because I realise its importance is just the um, being in my body, Mm -hmm. um, feeling my own physical presence. And how do you do that? It's very hard to explain because it's an embodiment thing and and it's something that I work with people as well. It starts with just letting go Mm -hmm. of the external, uh, realising I have no control 
of the external and that's coming in in and feeling my heart space or feeling just a physical sensation in my body and realising that this moment is all there is and feeling that the truth of that in my own body. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Mm. I feel like so many people will have an insight to existing relationships, friendships, all the things um, just from hearing this episode. So thank you so much. For anyone that wants to connect with you, where is the best place to find you? The best place to find me is probably my website, yeah. which is margobraug.com.au. Will you be putting a link with Yes, I'll pop that link yeah. on the show notes, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Also, another link that you might like to include is I have a little link to a little meditation that I do with people. Incredible. Uh, the somatic breathing exercise, so uh, yes. that might be something to try out. Absolutely. I'll definitely join, so I'll put that in the link yep. for sure. Thank yep. you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.